This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Vimeo. By now, I hope you know that Vimeo has a bunch of amazing indie films you can watch on demand. I've recommended my favorites you can check out at vimeo.com slash IndieWire. If you're a filmmaker and want to sell your movie or series on Vimeo on demand, all you need is a pro account. You can set your price, create promo codes, add bonus features, and there's that embeddable HD player with a purchase button, which means people can buy and watch your film anywhere on the web. Vimeo only takes 10%, which is the best in the business. Go to vimeo.com slash start selling and use the promo code ERIC20 for 20% off Vimeo Pro. This week, I'm recommending a movie on Vimeo called Going Clear. It's Alex Gibney's searing indictment and true expose of the Church of Scientology. If you're gearing up for Halloween, this is one of the scariest movies of the year. Use ERIC20 as a promo code and you'll get 20% off watching Going Clear right now. On with the show. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief film critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson from Thompson and Hollywood. And Ann, you know, I felt like I had this really nice break from award season over the weekend because I got to go to New Orleans. I was on this film festival jury. Uh, I'd never been to the city before. It was a really cool place. And I came back, and we're right back into it because the Gotham Awards <laughs> uh, announced their nominations just this week, and uh, actually played a role in that process. So I uh, have. What was your this. role? <laughs> I was on a, a couple of committees here for best feature, for best screenplay, and for breakthrough directors. Uh, after a couple of years, uh, I've, I've been at this for a little while, so it's always interesting to be a part of that process while also looking. So who was at on it, the yeah. jury with you? So they announced that today, they don't announce it until uh, the nominations are out, but it was myself, Andrew O'Hare from Salon.com, it was Christy Lehmeyer, and it was Ty Burr from the Boston Globe, and Josh Rothkopf from Time Out New York. So a pretty good eclectic group of people, and uh, they've Excellent. all done this before. It's a really neat process, too. I mean, I'm not really supposed to detail too much of it, but I can say that what's kind of cool about it is, you know, we spend so much of award season talking about what are voters going to do, how are they going to be manipulated, et cetera, et cetera. And here it's really just us sitting down, having a conversation about the best movies and performances and screenplays and all that kind of stuff of the year. So it really does feel like a justifiable kind of egalitarian process. And I'm really glad that Diary of a Teenage Girl wound up getting all these nominations. I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. Unfortunately, even though I love that movie, as you know, um, it, it, I, I just saw how it plays with, with audiences. And I saw how badly it did at the box office. And I have to assume that this could have more impact on its potential as an indie spirit contender. Uh, those no- nominations don't come out until uh, November 24th, but uh, that will be, uh, uh, you know, the most, most even Tangerine, which did well also, which I adore. I love this movie. I'm probably going to put it on my 10 best list. It's, it's not something that the Academy is going to register on. Well, Tangerine and, and heaven knows what the Safdie Brothers movie, I mean, in that some ways, the, there's an element of advocacy here just in dragging these movies into whatever part of the conversation they can have. Just It'll have an impact they're... on the critics, actually. Exactly. I mean, and, and frankly, what's exciting about this is we don't know who's going to convene to determine who wins best feature, but usually it's pretty high profile names. They get some actors in there, maybe some filmmakers, and 
they're going to watch all these movies, so there's some value in that. There may be Academy voters involved in that part of the process. Certainly it helps just in terms of exposure. Uh, Tangerine, I mean, I love that movie. It's a difficult sell for a lot of people. Diary of a Teenage Girl, I mean, isn't there some kind of way in which talking about this movie more could end up making a difference? I mean, remember Marion Cotillard ended up getting dragged back into the conversation for the Darden Brothers movie Two Days, One Night. She even got an acting nomination for that. She's been nominated before, and and she's a classy European actress. You know what the Academy is like. They're very highbrow, or they want to be, yeah, right? Yeah, they want to be. And, and, and so Tangerine is just not in that uh, universe. It can't be. It's just the way it is. Well, but there is that conversation about the transgender performance, right? I mean, isn't that something that could gain some momentum? I mean, it's been a big no, year. No, you're for in that. a fantasy world. You're you're in a complete alternate universe right now. So then, Eric. in that case, is the <laughs> I, I love happens. my alternate universe. Here's <laughs> what happens. What does happen, which is so good, and this is why you guys did a great job, is is that it there are piles of screeners, assuming that they even send screeners out on Tangerine. This is not not one of your usual suspect distributors you know so so basically you have to move the movies up on the screener pile and and so in that sense you know progress will be made well in that, in that case maybe i think love and mercy is more likely well, to get yeah, a love, boost love and mercy that, that got a screenplay nomination i mean it's it's Definitely a movie. And that Paul could Dana, be yeah. which which has to happen, I hope. So, yeah. you know, that's a good thing. And I think Carol continues strong, and Spotlight continues strong. You know, those are the, basically the three that came out ahead. They let you left Room off of the feature list. It's that an interesting, interesting situation. I mean, I, I really like Room. If you look at the people on that committee, everybody else really likes Room. It's it's just a really challenging year in terms of the number of movies and the number of slots. And so in that case, I mean, I would, Room is definitely still part of the awards conversation. I think we can agree about that. But, and Brie Larson is and very strong. Brie Larson. Uh, and Peter, no question. And Peter but Clark. I would tell you A24 was probably disappointed by not getting a feature nomination or, or a screenplay nomination, for sure, example. Sure, but I mean A24 is still in the game, and, and Amy is still a documentary that's going to get a lot of attention, even though they didn't. Even though it was left off. It was right. left off there as well. But in terms of the best feature contenders, Carol and Spotlight both stand out as movies that could continue to gain momentum. And I think that's a fascinating showdown in a lot of ways because these are smaller films. They are, but they still have, even though they're small, I don't know how to explain this exactly. They have a certain scale and scope that I use those words a lot, but they're not, they don't feel small. I know you think Spotlight feels small but i i'm gonna argue and it still hasn't played for the academy yet by the way by the way what's going on at this end in la and in new york is that there are these academy screenings that are unfolding you know week after week after week and they all go and they all see so bridge of spies there are lines around the block and martian there are lines around the block and you can just see where the interest is and how how the movies play you know at, at the academy screens which is very significant you know that really helps to to tell you um how how things are going well it's just funny because speaking of alternate universes it's like the rest of the world is rushing to get tickets to the star wars and here we are talking about the anticipation of academy screenings 
It's a very small, very arcane universe. Believe me, I'm, I know. Um, but what's interesting, too, uh, I mean, the, the cartel land on the documentary side, uh, cartel land um, and uh, the look of silence, which are both on the doc NYC list, which I know the short list. I know I make a lot out of that top 15 shortlist, but it actually is, in fact, um, something, you know, to get on that list is a big deal and, and to not get on it is a big deal. And so Heart of Heart of a Dog and Listen to Me Marlin, you know, needed the attention that you were giving them. I think it's really cool that approaching the elephant, a black and white study of an anarchistic school that failed, is it's this great kind of dark comedy in a way. It's really cool that they dragged that back into any kind of attention that it could get for that. But Heart of a Dog, beautiful movie. I mean, is it an Oscar contender? That seems like a tough sell, but it's... It's going to play better for critics than for the Academy Doc branch. I think that's clear. Whereas Listen to Me, Marlon is a movie that has a chance of getting in, even if it wasn't on the Doc NYC shortlist. Marlon Brando certainly has a history with the Academy, so he's not starting from scratch on that one. And Look of Silence, it's really cool to, to continue to have a reason to talk about that movie since it wasn't a huge success and it's a much gentler film than the act of killing which it's technically technically kind of a sequel to but uh it's a movie that plays well it is a wonderful movie and again it's hard to hard to sit through but it's a wonderful movie i'm almost wondering if i I, i've heard this bandied about a little bit as a theory that you know the reason act of killing didn't win was because uh it was you know trounced and and it, this this by a very popular title so this maybe there's going to be some possibility of of a, a sympathy vote for look of silence is that possible you know as if you were voting for active killing is as it, well is it sort of the doc version of of what might help michael keaton in support yes exactly exactly that's these an interesting contrast do, these do uh, these do th- these do think things do happen. Um, so so also the other thing that's going on right now is that as the box office start, you know, some of these movies come out and they open, and and as as uh, as we move forward, um, uh, we can start to see you know where the momentum is on some of these movies that not may may not have the right stuff to to make it all the way to the end. Well, that that's absolutely true. I mean, it, there, there are many different ways you can read into the subtle impact that we can't totally see, but could end up in a postmortem of the of the results playing some tiny role. I, w- I would like to to mention briefly the breakthrough director category because there are movies there that will absolutely play no role in the award season conversation after this moment. Maybe a little bit of the spirits. But uh, getting Desiree Akhavan on there for Breakthrough Director for Appropriate Behavior, which was released early this year, I thought was a pretty neat little peg for that movie and for a, a filmmaker that we'll probably hear from in, in the years to come in a lot of different ways, as well as uh, uh, The Men from John Majeri and James White from Josh Mond, which is opening in a month, a really beautiful, touching movie with uh, Cynthia Nixon and Christopher Abbott. But, the uh, fact that the Gothams don't have supporting awards means that some of these people weren't able to get, you know, uh, no, mentions. You know, like Cynthia Nixon is so good in that movie. Yeah, she she's great. She's a, at the top of her game. So, I mean, anything could happen there. But it is too bad that she couldn't be singled out in this particular circumstance. So what else didn't make the cut? Because we talked about Room before, and there, there are some other movies 
that are part of the conversation and certainly were up for consideration, not only for Gotham's, but in Oscar season in general, that have already seemed to be losing momentum. Well, I don't know that this was part of the Gotham uh, conversation, but we were talking last week about this rash of movies. Everybody is commenting on how incredibly crowded the the whole field is. And, and, you know, it just seemed like, you know, people were eating each other's, you know, box office last weekend. And and the one that seemed to be hurt the most is the one we didn't mention. And that was truth. We didn't even talk about (laughs) it. Yeah, we were sort of, we we got into this whole thing about these, all these different contenders opening and, and it just didn't come up. And that's because I don't think it's a contender. I mean, that's basically the reason I didn't bring it up. And, and it's, it's, it's a, I think what happens is that you see sometimes um, there's a slot, you know, for a certain kind of movie or a few slots. And the movie that that is about journalism and celebrates journalism in such an effective way that is going to get a slot is Spotlight. And unfortunately, this movie just looks a little more mainstream, a little more soft-edged, you know, a little, a little more uh, self-serving in some ways. Well, there is you a know. whole conversation about that movie that probably heard it early on, which I don't know if it was because of Carl Rove going off on it on Fox News or other people, but the, that it, it doesn't really get into whether or not these, these people at CBS, Rather, and his cohorts actually screwed up. In some ways, it kind of suggests that they were more screwed by the network. And there is a conversation there about, well, did they screw up? Was this bad journalism that isn't really addressed particularly clearly by the movie? And, That's what uh, I mean by self-serving. Yeah. I think I think the movie is trying to paint this very negative portrait of what's wrong, you know, with with you know a certain kind of broadcast journalism right now in the political process. And 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 you know, I think that there were. It isn't clear that she was 100% Mary Mapes innocent, nor is it clear that that Dan Rather, you know, played by Robert Redford, is is a saint. You know, which is how they sort of portray yeah, him. Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest flaw of the movie is the way that it, it builds up Dan Rather in a way that feels quite unrealistic. I mean, it, doesn't it? It's Mary Mapes. I think uh, the the performance there is is actually quite strong. It's a the, good performance. And and that and those scenes, that's not what's wrong with the movie. Well, but what's I think those scenes were. It doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't the, feel real. I, I I thought that those scenes were absorbing, though. I mean, I don't necessarily need reality. I just need the movie to create enough for me to be invested in. In some ways. I found right. certain scenes of Spotlight have that issue as well that people aren't picking up on. There's a moment where Lee Shriver gives a, a speech that where I, I was worried that the music was going to drown him out, and and there are th- that movie does push to sentimentalize and and overstate some of the accomplishments here more than I think people are talking about. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I think it's a very smart well-written drama with great performances but it does have those same kind of issues because it's mainly celebratory though complicated in in other kinds of ways but at the same time i see why people would go for spotlight over truth okay and and then the other the other movie that i think is losing steam which you know basically topped out at about 60 million dollars at the box office which seems like a lot of money if you're looking at art films and stuff but this was black mass this was warner brothers this was johnny depp this was expensive and the marketing was expensive and i don't feel any traction on this movie. Well, maybe these, Joel Edgerton, maybe. Is that partly just because of the bleakness of the subject matter? I mean, look at Beast of No Nation. That one's having a hard time too, isn't it? Definitely. And I think that the, uh, 
gamble or the experiment that Netflix, which has very deep pockets, was willing to make, was that in order to qualify for an Oscar nomination, they uh, they were multiple ones. They went out in, in, in all these theaters at the same time that it was available on Netflix and it didn't do well in the theaters. And this was also predictable and they were willing, they were willing to lose money on that, but it would have been better to give it a proper theatrical release with a real, uh, nurturing, you know, build the buzz, get it going in a couple of big cities, you know, the usual platform approach. And this, this didn't serve the movie at all to do it this way. No, nobody went to go see that movie in theaters. I mean, why would they? It's just... It just My daughter was on... That's the other thing. Let's think about this. I mean, I'm a big fan of Netflix, as you know, but yeah. in, in a situation like this, I think a movie like Beasts of No Nation deserves to be seen in a theater where you're really concentrating on it and all that care and craftsmanship and detail that someone serious like Kerry Fukunaga actually put into that movie and his team... It, it, you know, I called up my daughter last night. I was in the supermarket, and she was watching Beasts of No Nation <laughs> on Netflix and picks up the phone and says, Mommy, I'm in a really intense scene right now. Let me call you back. You so know? she didn't think about just pausing it, at least No, that. she just like, you know, I, I, I'm like, you know, that's not how you should be watching Beasts of No Nation. Well, it's, actually, it's, it's an interesting point though i wrote a little bit about this at, at a tell you ride and saw some of these points echoed in a.o scott's review of the movie when it opened last week uh, there, there are two different kinds of experiences you can have with the movie i think the big screen experience amplifies some of the visual elements it, it makes it which more are multiple intent. in that movie yeah quite it's, a few of them. it's it's an overwhelming there's some big experience. scale sequences totally. there but if you think of it as a, as on, on the small screen in a smaller scale it's something else it's more about the subjective experience of this kid and it can be more of a personal movie so i think it could work i mean i haven't tried pulling it up on my iphone to see how that plays oh out my you know God. but the options <laughs> There and, and the, maybe there this is, is not something. How, to that. I mean, look, I can watch TV on my on my. I can watch trailers on my iPhone. I'm not. I mean, I do a lot on my iPhone. I'm going to bring me. it up while we're talking here. And, and I and and I and I love watching HBO on iPad or for for example. I mean, even Game of Thrones looks fantastic on an iPad, actually. Right, but so that, that's a different kind of. It's more paradigm. about the focus. It's more about not being interrupted and and, and just being immersed. You know, in a in a theater. Well, the other problem is I just pulled up Netflix on my iPhone and the first thing that I see is Anthony Jaselnik Thoughts and Prayers available now. It's a Netflix original stand-up comedian thing. I don't see Beast, right? Let me see what I get when I put Netflix But then on. when I search for it, so I'm, I'm, I look at it and I see it, it looks like it has five stars or slightly less than five stars, which probably helps it in terms of ranking. It's uh, Use of it's, Nation comes up first on mine. I mean, they have these weird algorithms. It, it kind of depends on what you've been watching. If your daughter was using your account, then maybe that played. No, a no. Or... They ask me, if, is it me or her mm. when 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 I go in? Oh, but that's I, interesting. Well, I maybe there's a, a connection they recommended. So Beast is absolutely the first thing that comes up ahead of all the other TV series and like Narcos and Bloodline and House of Cards. They've got me nailed. But if I pull this up, just pulling up the movie, let's say, because somebody read about it, they would see a play button, they would see that it has basically five stars, and they would see that it had, it's two hours and 17 minutes long. That's maybe a long movie. Maybe they see that it, Idris Elba's in it, maybe that helps. Uh, more like this. I'm getting recommended things like Boys of Abu Ghraib. I mean, some of the messages that it sends, 
these things are all playing a role in how people are watching this movie. That being said, I'm sure it's doing pretty well on Netflix. I'm sure it is, too. I'm sure it is, too. But the point is, did that theatrical release, which was so lame, forgive me, um, was, I mean, does Netflix understand, does it understand how much perception plays into how you release something, how, whether it's perceived as a winner, you know, whether the Academy sees it as a loser because it didn't do well in theaters. Do you see, you see, these are very important aspects of an Oscar campaign. So, so I, I'm not sure they get it. Well, and it's, again, I mean, it's just, it's tough to think of people wanting to get it because it's just such a like your daughter said is there's some really intense scenes in there (laughs) and like black mass i mean you you have to be willing to feel comfortable supporting that kind of movie and i don't know i mean who are the academy voters who have the sort of sensibilities that this would work for and, and do do they outnumber the people who are just kind of uncomfortable or grossed out or, or upset well you know that there are many different um uh, buckets of people at, at the academy with different sets of tastes and so you basically have um people with a tolerance for for violence which would apply to both black mass and by the way not just both it would apply to black mass sicario legend mm-hmm. And uh, which is the other gangster movie coming in November with Tom Hardy and and um, Sicario, which is is very well liked by critics, is doing well at the box office, but it's still very violent. It's very much of a genre film or or, uh, the other one, Mad Max, Fury Road. I mean, the craftsmanship involved in making these movies as good as they are, uh, Beasts of No Nation, the craftsmen, the people on the side of of production design and, and editors and, and all those folks are going to appreciate how these movies were made. That's going to be appreciated. The actors are going to appreciate the, the performances. But there's more mainstream groups in the Academy who will be turned off and, and won't manage it. Can you really lump Mad Max into all that? Because that's yeah. a fun movie. I mean, those, these other movies are not it's fun. Violent. It's violent. But it's it's almost like cartoon violence. I mean, is I that... wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say. I mean, I agree with you that it's stylized to a degree, uh, absolutely stylized. But but it's not. It's it's not, you, you you you're affected by the violence. It's, it doesn't just wash over you exactly. I just think it would be. Strange. Some people just don't like action films. Yeah, that that Consider, could be. A it's stigma. beneath them. This is where we're talking about the the people being snobby and not you know highbrow. They so like to go highbrow. Are you saying they're like film critics? <laughs> no. I think film critics are more likely to appreciate. I believe that at the end of the year, film critics are going to have Fury Road all over their lists and their awards voting. Well, I'm really excited to see how our vote goes on December 2nd at the New York Film Critics Circle. We just brought in a couple of new members, which is exciting. And uh, I, I think. There are a lot of possibilities this year. It's it's less obvious than it has been. I mean, that was not surprising, even though I thought it was great that Boyhood won Best Film last year. But I don't see consensus forming around a specific movie, though if there was one, it would probably be Carol at this point. So many critics I know admire and love that movie in a way that I'm not hearing for anything else except maybe Mad Max. So we could see an interesting kind of Carol Mad Max That is a clip, nice counterpoint. Which would be kind of awesome. So you think that... <laughs> So, yeah, and I am picking up, I have to say, as I get around and talk to more people here in L.A., I'm picking up on the Academy side for sure. Uh, Steve Jobs is by no means a, a unanimous 
beloved. Oh no, it did movie. not go it's over. It's polarizing. Great yeah, it's polarizing. It's and a people tough sell. people love Boyle and hate Sorkin. Love Sorkin, hate Boyle. Everybody agrees, however, that the actors are great. So you know, we'll see what happens there. But it could be a little bit like Social Network in the sense that it's more head than heart. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in the game, but it's not as strong a player as some of the others, and certainly not what we might have expected looking at the field a number of months back. It'll get there. It'll get Best Picture nomination and everything. But it's, I mean, in terms of picking the winner, <laughs> I think The Martian is probably ahead uh, where we stand right now. You mean it's ahead of Steve Jobs? It's ahead of everything. You think it's ahead of everything? I even, do. Even Spotlight and Carol at this point. Well, Spotlight hasn't opened yet. I mean, I can well, say... Carol hasn't opened up. Conf- that's correct. I can say with confidence um, that The Martian is beloved by everybody and has done incredibly well at the box office. And it's a narrative about the return of Ridley Scott. And it's a great role for Matt Damon. And and everything is beautifully made and, and wrought. It is... It is this year's gravity if you like um, yeah it's not as, as breathtaking and next level but no. it's fun it's a well it's a polished or it's movie. this year's argo if you like mm, there you we know? go there's Very interesting. Good. you know yeah. an american you know celebrating american ingenuity so you know making us feel good about ourselves in a way that oh everybody loves that you know that yeah well, I would like to see The Martian versus Carol, too, if, if, if we're talking about a big studio movie versus a smaller one. Yeah, you were talking about Carol at the New York Film Critics. I wouldn't say that Carol, which I think is a strong Oscar contender, is as strong at, with the Academy as it is with the film critics. So the film critics are going to help it, but um, it, it's still a formal, um, intellectual, flat, Exercise, even if it's Yikes. the most accessible. And <laughs> you just damned Carol there. That I was... didn't damn it. I'm saying that's what's going on there. It's still, it's, it's not as bad. It's excuse me. It's not as uh, hard for people to relate to as Foxcatcher, mm, yeah. for example. But it will be admired. It will be yeah. admired in the same way. Well, Harvey. I mean. Maybe the and it has these is... two great actresses, and it's beautiful. But, I mean, it, you know? so whatever role Harvey actually played, Harvey Weinstein, in inventing this game, I mean, what is the Harvey Weinstein play here? Have, maybe the we actresses haven't... are going are be, are to be all over it, you know? Yeah. And the right. costumes and the and the production design and and recognizing what a great director Todd Haynes is. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to go. It's it's steady as they go for Carol. But is I'm there, just saying we're not it's seeing... not as broad an appeal to the entire Academy voting block as The Martian. Well, I'm surprised we haven't seen an attempt yet, or maybe we'll see this closer to the release, to to make this into a broader cultural statement. I mean, this is the year that gay marriage was legalized in this country. Isn't there something Harvey is going to roll out every angle that you can think of, believe me. He will be all over Carol. So to be continued in that respect. Well, speaking of which, there is one movie that, you know, I don't know if we ever really thought of this as a serious Oscar contender, but it was certainly a, a fall title we were talking about, it, which was uh, this this cooking movie with Bradley Cooper called Burnt, which until a few days ago was going to open in limited release on Friday. The reviews dropped. They were pretty negative, and they just decided at the last minute they were going to push it to wide next week, and that would be that. And they never invited me to see it, so that tells you something. Well, I saw Burnt, and, and I can tell you quickly, I mean, 
the way that I saw it, and this is the way that I described it in the first paragraph, is it's sort of like if Guy Fieri had a recipe for Anthony Bourdain. You know, he's like this slick uh, kitchen guy, but he's so basic and superficially portrayed. Like, he, he spent some time uh, be, having problems with drugs, and now he's trying to come back from behind. And it's just, everything about it just felt so predictable. I mean, it's not like John Wells hasn't shown some potential to make more sophisticated movies, but this felt like something that, you know, he could have done as one of his TV dramas back when he was doing a bunch of those. And uh, I don't know, I mean, I don't. it's hard to tell what happened in the editing room, how many people they had working on this thing, but they just couldn't find an original movie here. So it's not surprising that this one is out of the conversation, but there you go. It'll, It'll be an interesting test of Bradley Cooper's stardom, you know, to see if people show up to see it. And he's fun to watch. I guess there's there's something to that. He got, the guy is incredibly um, diverse in terms of the roles he picks, and he does speak a little French in this movie, which is kind of cool to see because, you know, he's fluent in French. So. That's right. <laughs> so Cooper fans won't be totally disappointed in that respect. But I have to say that the one movie that I've caught up with finally that's kind of sort of part of this conversation uh because i was traveling i didn't uh get a chance to see straight out of compton when it opened and i really enjoyed that movie i know (laughs) because i'm totally the demographic for that movie i mean i will tell you this i grew up in an age where uh right when snoop dogg was kind of getting popular and and I, i was a big snoop fan and it was nice to see him crop up as a character a little bit more developed than than Tupac, who's really only there for like one scene. I thought that Compton as a whole was a, was a little uneven, but it's very enjoyable. There are some campy bits that are that are a little silly, but some of the other scenes where they kind of explain the rationale behind the music, like the the way in which "Fuck the Police" became uh, this hit single that was also a cultural phenomenon as a direct result of of what these guys were experiencing with the, with the police in that area. It's pretty effective, and and uh, Ice Cube's son is amazing playing Ice Cube. I think he's great. Uh, th- he's great. Just, uh, I I loved the movie. I yeah. absolutely loved it, and and uh, responded very positively. And it's interesting. I actually entertained the possibility that it could be a long shot for you know best editing or best sound mixing or something like that. Original um, songs and so maybe forth. maybe you know. So I think that's that, that's a very good idea. Is there an original song in there? Yeah, there's some original stuff. It's All right, not... then that's totally what it's gonna get. Like Selma did, unfortunately, I'm saying that, but it's true. But couldn't it get a Best Picture nomination? It did so well commercially. Well, again, I mean, this is just one of those those questions of how the Academy perceives itself. I think it's a popular movie. I think people, I wonder how many of them have seen it, honestly. Um, I want, But the Universal is behind it, and they're going to put on a major campaign. So by the time the nominations come out, you know, or by the time the voters are voting, they probably will have seen it. I mean, there are tons of good performances in this movie. There's not a lot of diversity to the kind of characters being portrayed in these other nominees. And- there are too many characters who are, uh, you know, they're, they're not, they're, there isn't a, a, a single performance that pops, I don't think. Well, again, Ice Cube's son. I mean, everybody loves this guy. He looks like him. He's very, he's very enjoyable. Yes, but we're and, talking about the most crowded supporting actor race in years. You know, I mean, we're talking about a race that, that you know, it's going to be tough for for even the top people to get in. 
Well, I mean, it's, it, there there are a lot of possibilities in that respect. I mean, so Ice Cube's son, I, I shouldn't call him that. His name's O'Shea Jackson. I mean, does he have less of a shot than, say, Seth Rogen, who you said didn't have the biggest shot last time? I would say Seth Rogen, because he's Seth Rogen and people know him, and maybe they're going to reward him for stepping out of his comfort zone in, in some ways, uh, he, he, he has a much better shot. Um, and, and by the way, they moved... Um, They moved the kid from room. Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, to supporting. Well, that's probably a wise decision on some level. I mean, people love that role, but it, it even if he's in every scene, it's tough to present the kid from room as a big best actor supporter because that people tend to favor familiar faces, right? I mean... Yeah, they do. Uh, but Atta, you know, Abraham Atta is still... It's still going for best actor because it's his story. That's the logic. But so is Room. Room is 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 Jacob Tremblay's story. So you know they're moving these things around. Now I've got. I <laughs> I keep changing all these charts. Yeah, I got to fix this. But they 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 keep they they move things around because because it's it. The logic isn't really unassailable, you know. Usually it's the unknown is in supporting and the established actors, unless it's a title character, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to, to figure that out sometimes. But I don't think the younger actors have a, a good shot when they're put in best act in the, in the leading role uh, category. Well, in any case, anything could change as these campaigns pick up steam. And when we revisit these issues next week, we can reevaluate where all this stuff stands, including something like Beast of No Nation, which will continue to be available on Netflix, and maybe there will be more conversations in that respect. Maybe we can also find another excuse to get out of this conversation. I mean, Halloween's right around the corner. We can talk about our favorite horror movies. Anything is possible. You sound like you're sick of the Oscars. <laughs> Let's come up with some horror movies for next week. That's a great idea. All right. Until then. Until then.